Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the One More Jump podcast. We cannot even express the gratitude that we have for being able to have the Oxford, Mississippi native Sam Kendricks on the podcast today. Two-time NCAA champion, two-time world champion, bronze medalist in the Olympics in 2016, and our current American record holder of 6.06 meters. 19 feet, 10 and a half inches. Sam dropped an incredible amount of knowledge on us today. Experience, just an incredibly experienced athlete in the pole vault, in the elite scene, in all levels of pole vaulting. We're so fortunate that we were able to have him on today, and we hope that you enjoy our podcast with our American record holder, Sam Kendricks. Well, I guess we can just like hop in and uh, you know, just kind of tell us who you are. And I mean, a lot of people know who you are, but uh, they may not know where you grew up and, and just kind of your, your story a little bit. Well, I'm Sam Kendricks. I am the reigning world champion in the men's pole vault from 2017 and 2019. I'm an Olympic bronze medalist. I've won a smattering of things at all levels. And I started jumping with the girls pole vault squad when I first started in Mississippi in 2004. I couldn't make my dad's high school track team. He was the coach. And so he put me training with his girls who were quite good uh, back in 2003 and 2004 after cross country practice. And that's where I started on a 10 foot, 90 pound pole with zero aptitude and no spot and no, no prospects, but I was around a track my entire life. And so I know the sport of track and field. Uh, I'm a student of the sport in many events and many cultures. And I think it's a great Petri dish for athletics in, in America. I travel the world most of the time. I've been a professional with Nike for six years. Uh, that means a different things to different people, uh, a contract, a, a professional uh, status is so many different things in track and field. And there's a, there's always a debate on what constitutes a true professional versus a not true professional. And I think that if you have a body, you compete, you're putting up marks and you don't have a flag on your chest, then you're a professional. Now the, the whole world that's over the age of 35 thinks track and field is still an amateur sport. And the whole world under the age of 35 doesn't know what the heck is going on in track and field. Uh, and there's a, a contingent of people that are 12 to 22 now that are really ingratiated in the sport. It's a weird phenomenon. I think I, and I know my introduction is getting a little long. My oh, generation, keep going. This is great. My, my generation is the YouTube generation of pole vault. Uh, when YouTube first came out and we didn't have to read the paper to figure out what the other people did. And we finally, everybody finally got internet in like 2011, my senior year of high school, we were able to look up at milesplit.com or something and see what other people were doing. Uh, people started to get better, faster, farther, and more far reaching. And that is a serious boom that can't last everywhere all the time. And sometimes you got the dark ages uh, of knowledge in pole vaulting. And it certainly started uh, with me in Mississippi and trying to learn and grab everything you possibly can because that's your most valuable commodity. I've been lauded as the gentleman champion uh, abroad, but I don't claim that title. I think I'm just Sam and I'm 
probably the third or fourth best in every attribute and as a pole vaulter can be, uh, not the best in anything, but I've won a few stuffs. That's awesome. And, uh, so what is, so they say you're the, what'd you say? The gentleman's champion or gentleman's champion. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and why is that? I'm assuming like just off the top of my head, you always seem like just, I don't know. You just seem like a stand-up guy. And I, I, this is, you can attest to this. This is our first conversation we've ever had. Um, but just the aura that you put out, uh, you know, inadvertently through the internet, just you're perceived as just like a nice dude, like a nice guy, somebody who will come up to you and shake your hand after a competition, uh, win or lose, you know, whatever. Uh, and it always seems like you've always been, uh, very supportive of your comrades, uh, you know, over there competing and things like that. Is that somewhat accurate? Yeah. I, I think a lot of people respect me because of the persona that I have as a, uh, as a competitive athlete, because it is me, but you know, so much about being, uh, an athlete for so long you, you look back at it i've been doing this event since i was 11 or 12 and i was just i'm in atlanta right now i'm working with a few doctors on a few different things uh trying to be even better than i've been in the past and i realize that i'm hardened and shaped by this event and since the beginning even though i've won a whole bunch of cool stuff and i'm very very proud of it and all the people that helped me do it from the very beginning, I had no prospects. And even at some of my highest points early in my career, and it's, nobody really wanted me. And that's fine. It's not their fault. They, there are so many other great guys in this sport. I can name hundreds. But even if you go on to win things, I don't forget that I just wanted to be a part of the sport in the beginning. I just wanted to be a part of it. Now, when I became professional, I wanted to be a career guy. I wanted that to be my, my, I wanted that to be my period, my punctuation and mark on the world, how to make a career out of a sport that's not really meant to make a career out of. And that's track and field. How to be a, how to be a force of consistency in a turbid event. And that is what me and my father have come together on for so long is trying to make some predictability come from an event. It's often unpredictable. Now, can I just interrupt you really quick? So that is, that's a very good point because for those of you who don't know, Sam has been extremely consistent, you know, just very consistent um, with your marks. So it's very easy to become an elite pole vaulter and, and have that one 580 or, or, you know, maybe you pop some, you know, big number or whatever. Okay. What are you doing two years after that? You know what I'm saying? And that's something that I, I just admire so much about you and uh, the way that you and your dad have gone about this is that you've just figured out some way to just be freaking consistent over 580. And like, that's the mark, the mark, in my opinion, the mark is 580. Like if you can be consistent over 580, you can do exactly like you're saying, you can make a living traveling around the world and, and doing this, you know? You know, uh, one of my favorite movies and the uh, I think young people often talk in movie plot lines too much and they talk in an- they talk in anecdotes and movie plot-, plot lines too much and they don't get to the point. But a great movie is uh, Bull Durham and Tin Cup, both Kevin Costner movies. And if you're under the age of 22, you probably haven't seen it. 
but the uh, you go watch them and you'll understand so much about the sport uh, and how your expectations are your greatest enemy sometimes. And that's so true about your consistency in the sport is because when you're young, you want so much. You just want it all. You want it all. And every time you get a piece of what you're looking for, you look for something bigger. You look for something more. Uh, and that's just the nature of the, the world we live in. That's, that's kind of our nature sometimes. And this thing is Joe Rogan podcast, so I'm not going to delve into the the minutia, the humanity in every moment. Hey, you about, do whatever you want, man. You do whatever the, uh, you want. The, the the nature of what I do is that I understand what tools I have innately, and I one of one of the most proud moments I have in sport was a press conference after I won the world championships, and that a guy asked me. He said, "Sam, you've you've won all these things." Uh, what do you think about the world record? And it's about the millionth time a guy gets a world. I mean, they'll ask you that question. A lazy reporter will ask you that question after you jump in high school, you know, 14 feet in high school. What about the world record? Because they don't know. It's just a lazy question reporters ask. Um, and I said, well, it's not my destiny. And, every, and that was the answer that nobody was hearing because there's five real cliches in track and field. There's five of them. All right. And if you say any one of these, you're not wrong, but you're cliche. I executed me and my coach had a plan. Training has been good. I overcame this injury. I'm so happy that my mom was here. Say any of those five things, you're a good guy, but it's just lazy writing. You know, your story of your the story of your athletic career, and that's fine. You can be simple. You know, Sidney McLaughlin at age 16, making the Olympic team in 2016, she doesn't have that much story to tell. Let it just run. Let it run. Don't make it about something else. Don't ask her about the world record. I mean, dang. Right. It's, it's not my destiny. I mean, it's not what I wanted. I didn't I didn't start with the girls' squad with those prospects in the beginning and just allow myself to think that I could break the world record one day. I said right after that in the press conference, I said, I'll leave that up to Mondo. And he broke the world record four months later. So you're saying that your destiny, in that conference, press conference, you say your destiny is not the world record. That's not my destiny. That's right. And people looked at me like, well, how can you? It's like, it's like taboo to put limits on yourself. I'm going to say, that I don't think it's very I, interesting. The, uh, uh, it's taboo in sport to put a cap on yourself because well said in track and field because track and field is a, it's a, it's a millstone. It is a millstone. And it's not that you, you can't blossom in track. It's just that it doesn't blossom for most people. And I'm a, I'm a very realistic guy. I may be a nice guy on camera and I am, I, I, I think I'm a nice guy, but I've had too many great advisors through the years that have given me a really realistic look of what my life is like. And to assume that I am greater than those that came before me is the height of hubris. And the, and to assume that I will be able to contend with every jumper in the future is also the height of hubris. <laughs> and it, it just, it just lays you up for disappointment. And right. In seeking consistency, which for young pole vaulters, that's all you want. That's all you want. But that's not all you want. So what is your destiny? Give up some things in pursuit of some consistency. And not everybody is okay with making that sacrifice because that's also taboo in sport. You're not allowed to put limits on yourself because that's all of a sudden that's negative. And I say, no, it's not. And you're supposed to be real specific about what your your goals are going to be. And people don't want to be that because you want everything. You deserve everything. It's the greatest lie of the modern age, especially in athletics. You don't deserve shit. I, 
you know, you can, it's whatever, man. I, I, I am fascinated with this right now. <laughs> like this really, it took me by surprise. I obviously I didn't hear that press conference. Um, but this is, this is very surprising and this is very, an, an interesting way of looking at things. And I think that that is probably plays a huge role in, in how you've in your career is just that, that mentality. Um, so but it's not that sexy. It's not sexy. No, so no, no, it's not. And saying that, but that's really, I don't know. I just find that fascinating. I think it's, I think it's really cool. I think that, you know, you have probably have a really great understanding of who you are and, and what you can do. And you're, you and your dad probably have a very dialed in plan. Like, okay, you know, these are what, you know, maybe we think we can do. And, uh, the world record is, is not one of those things that you have like, Hey, I'm, I'm really, you know, pursuing that really, really hard. But so I, I guess I would combat that question with what do you think, what is your destiny then? You know, the, the thing I wanted out of this sport was I just wanted to be a part of it for a long time, but athletics is such a thing. It's like, you're a, you're like a, like a mercenary, you know, you go to foreign lands, you fight for foreign monies and you bring them back home. It's, it's really adventurous when you look at it that way. Super cool. Advanced. Um, there's only so much money to be had and you want the biggest piece of the pot, not because you don't like everybody else, but because you want to win and you don't survive in this unless you want to win. I may have a little bit on myself, but at the end of the day, I just want to be in a spot to compete, you know, and that's not a cliche. It's no. what it's the, the mean of what great competitors say. I didn't write that in a book. I didn't read it from a David Goggins book. It's just, if you want to be good in track and field, all you got to do is want to be in the top three. Um, because there'll be, there'll be bread for you at the table if you're in the top three and there's only three spots in the top three. <laughs> yeah. So I guess speak, maybe speak a little bit to that because some, there may be some listeners that would be like, well, I mean, if you jump, you know, 581 time, then, then you're going to be making money. You're going to be going around doing all these cool things. So you're saying that in our sport, in track and field, it's not really like other professional sports. Is that correct? Well, that seems a bit like a leading question, but I'll give you the structure. I'll give you, uh, let me, let me tell you, let me lay it out for you. Let's hear it. Track and field. I, I call it a true professional sport. I call it a true professional sport. Because it takes, it's got the aspect of so many other professional sports. It's akin to golfing because you are your own item. You compete for yourself. You, when you're a golfer, you pay the greens fees. You're paying your caddy. You're paying the trip. But you're making good money, you know. But you get to decide what you do with it. In track and field, it's much the same. You pick your manager. You pick your coach. You try. You get there. They're going to pay you to come if you're good enough. If you're good enough to make the tournament, you're, they're going to pay you to come. It's what it's up to you to be something to do with it. That breeds maturity, but it's also a team sport and it starts as a team sport and team sports don't always breed maturity because it's easy to rely on other people and focus only on yourself. You know, it's, it's a lot like soccer in that my image is so important because it's also my future. I have to be separate from the team in order to get more out of the sport because the team doesn't come together very often. And if I, if I have a good image, I get traded. Absolutely. You're, you want your value to continue to go up and that, and don't worry, I'm not going to leave it in Instagram terms. And it's like a team sport. It's like, it's like football, you know, you come together as a team and the team succeeds or fails. 
based on how its members do. Right. Not really like that. It's like that in high school. Oh my God. I love high school track. It's my favorite. It's because the points really matter. College, the points really matter, but every guy that's good is looking for the, he's looking for the, he's looking for the window out of the team to be, to be either on the next team or to be on his own show. Uh, if he's, if, if he's got a mind's eye, but high school, high school is so limited in its knowledge and that, uh, not that the people are stupid. It's just that it's hard to look further forward than one step ahead. You know, I'm competing for an education. That's not as sexy as cash on the table. You know, that third year contract kind of thing, yeah. uh, like it might be in baseball, the it's, it's different. And so it's the points matter. I, so much of my youth was just surrounded by high school track and field and seeing guys come from guts to glory from when they were 16 to 18 years old. It's awesome. And they turn into Hercules in my eyes because they can change so much and it matters in professional sports. You can't get that good in two in one track season. Just can't either there or you got to spend four or five years. I think your brother Luke Winder uh, is a huge example of that, that he is pursuing that excellent aspects of the event so that one day, bam, 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 he starts popping off. It's a great model. It's so great. Yeah. It's hard to get traction for a long time doing that because this sport is a grind and you're an individual and you've got to just start popping off big things to really stay there. Okay. You know? So you, exactly. So you, but you are an anomaly in my opinion. Okay. This is my humble opinion. You are... I don't know if we'll ever see another pole vaulter that does it like you. Uh, well, maybe we will, but I mean, I don't know. It's the way that you and your dad have have gotten to where you're at. Your technique, your poles that you use, uh, you know, these things seem to be out of the ordinary from other people who have jumped that high. Um, so first of all, tell, tell us a little bit about it, the difference between the kind of the way that you have done things and then, you know, other people have done things in reference to maybe grips and pole size and, and all of these other things. Well, it's, I learned young that, uh, my strength and is the most encouraging thing. It was the most encouraging thing to me because all I wanted when I was in high school, when I was in middle school, all I wanted was to be strong. All I wanted was to just have that gear to go further. Cause I started out as a cross country runner and my twin brother, he's good. He's good. I wasn't good. <laughs> uh. I ran every day, Jake. I ran every day. My dad woke me up every morning, shoved some coffee in my face, made me choke down some crappy eggs and we ran every morning from the time I was eight till I was 18. I was a good runner. I know how to pace, not a talented runner. Because every morning until I was 18, <sighs> it feels like I got asthma. My brother, he's broken it. Man, he's just awesome. He's an all-state cross-country runner. He's captain of the soccer team. He scores in the shot put and the discus at the state meet in track. He's, a, he's, at every, he's the best athlete in my high school, my twin brother. Wow. I was a pole vaulter. And when I realized that my strength really didn't matter, it was my maturity. It taught me so much about the event. Now, physical maturity goes hand in hand with your mental maturity. And the way that my dad started coaching me, because he 
he could coach a 14 foot pole walter. He told me that. He says, once you, once I jump 14 feet, my junior year of college, he says, I mean, my high school, he says, I got to start learning now. I got to start. <laughs> he didn't assume he knew everything. He actually started to assume he knew nothing. And he became the other, he, he became the tails to my heads, the other side of my coin. And it's a different relationship because he was, he was, he was, he was my brain until I was about 18. He told me everything to do. And I listened to him and it was good for me. Now I didn't keep me from getting stitches and staying out of the hospital all the time, but it proved to me that wisdom was the thing to chase, not, not glory. And he became the, uh, the kind of at the antithesis of my, my, everything that I wanted to do. He knew that I wanted to do it. Right. So what does a young guy want to do? Oh, he just wants to go harder. He just wants to try harder. He wants to push harder. He wants, that's a good, those are all really great positive things. Don't quit. Work harder. Those are all great things. A good coach, what is he going to do? He's going to tug on those reins like his life depends on. He's going to hold you back. But not every coach is going to do that. Not every coach is going to do that. And that's the thing, that's the thing that hamstrings guys and was different with me is where other coaches would let guys run with it because they're going to be they either got to get the most they can out of this level to get to the next one or they won't make it or they're going to get hurt. Um, nobody thinks about the second option. They only say the positive is the first option. And guys, they just race into the next level. And you have to. You have to. That's just the way sport works. It's a catch-22. You have to do something special at one level to get to the next. Mm-hmm. Because my, you know, my dad loved me. And it's not saying that other co- dads coached by their, uh, coaching their sons don't love their kids. It's just he loved me to give me a chance of Time, right? And time was the thing I needed. Time, somebody yanking on the reins, immaturity. And every, you know, once I learned how to pole vault, learn how to pole vault, I know how to get better at pole vaulting. I know how to line it up. You know, once you're learning about poles, you're learning about logistics and you're learning about training after that. And yeah, those, he can do all those things for me. But in truth, I needed somebody to kind of help me think, just really teach me how to think. And I'm, I'm not a smart guy. I'm a highly trained individual. I'm not a smart guy. Uh, my wife will probably tell you that. Um, <laughs> good husband. You know, a good husband is not a smart guy. It's a well-trained guy for sure. The, uh, uh, and how to think about this event is so important. And, you know, the military taught me that if you can make a great plan, it won't survive, but parts of it will. And you keep like that. that. And that's not a great mold for young guys because your life changes every year, every two years. It just completely changes. Mine did. Absolutely. But you have to be able to make a plan and see what works and where it doesn't. And the number one thing that I do, and I know it seems kind of lame, uh, but my buddy, Sean, Sean Francis, you know, he touts it. And every great coach is going to say, we'll keep a great training log. And every coach will, but not every athlete will. Your life moves too fast to try to remember what happened. Mm-hmm. You won't. You won't remember it. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I'm sorry. You, you, your life's moving too fast. You won't remember the nitty-gritty things that you learned along the way unless you really put some real research into yourself. And what we did, me and my dad did, says we bounce off each other all the time. Uh, it's not that uh, he, you know, people say their father and their, their parent uh, as a coach relationship with an athlete, they don't survive. People say that all the time. Uh, and, and there's two reasons it doesn't work. It just two reasons it doesn't work. One person wants more than the other person. And then, uh, then all of a sudden, uh, you get tired. You just get tired. 
it, and you can't, you can't, you can't let it be done. And me and my dad really developed a professional relationship working on this and a personal one. It, uh, and it can't be understated how he and I can be, you know, on the same page. Yeah. Uh, he's reading, he's reading the other side though. You know, that's, that's a crappy analogy, but um, if I, even if I'm great and I know what I'm doing, I have to hear the other side. I have to hear it. And it's the most frustrating crap for a guy, a, the, for a coach to tell somebody, an athlete, something they already know. That's the number one thing that makes people mad. I know that. I know that. I know that. They hear that all the time, but they have to tell it to you. That's what coaches do. They have to, and you have to be okay with that, or you're just going to suck as an athlete. I'm sorry. <laughs> you have to have a coach that's going to tell you the things you already know, because if you don't listen to it, they won't keep telling it to you. Okay. Right. For sure. So having, oh, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Now, having that relationship that was able to survive, you know, the four, three or four stages of, uh, of athletics was my greatest tool because I never had to stop and relearn something. I just right. kept getting better at what I started doing. So my, all me and my two brothers were, were coached by our dad and, uh, and my dad is, is coaches at, at our, our club now. And, and we've had it out a few times in our career, you know, sure. where we've kind of butt heads and, you know, maybe, you know, had some choice words or whatever. Has there been ever been any times where it's been just difficult balancing your dad being your dad and your dad being your coach? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's not for the reason you think, you know, the, the, the Hollywood, uh, coach dad will say, I want to live my glory days through my son. And, uh, and then you'll, you'll, that, that doubt creeps in is, is this person really there for me? That's, that's not my problem. One time he almost left me in Paris. He just, we were walking down the streets of Paris, having a discussion, turned into an argument. All of a sudden he was getting in a taxi. He was going to the airport and I was never going to see his ass again. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> and it took me a second to figure out why the heck he was so angry. Cause I'd done pretty good. I got second, but I wanted to do better, yeah. right? And th- and he looked at me like, "What do you think you're? What? 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 You want to do better? You want to do better than second place at a diamond league meet, kid? What the hell do you think? How are you gonna do better, huh? Well, you know what I saw in the event? I saw you slide down your pole and almost tear your ACL. I saw you take an extra risk here um, that almost freaking killed you." And if you don't see those things, you're going to end up a washed up mess in the gutter in a year. And if you don't listen to me right now, kid, and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. That, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. He says, if you're not going to listen to me, there's no point in me being here. And he, 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 he pulled out a Benjamin. He gave it to the nearest French guy. He said, take me to the airport. He's going to leave. He didn't have any crap with him. He travels some dang light. He's going to be gone. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Classic young guy. Classic young guy. Yeah. Don't know what it's, don't want he's got until it's leaving, you know? Right. Yeah. We've had, we've had issues. I was down on my knees in front of the hotel Mercure in Paris. I said, what, what? I don't get it. Why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? He oh, didn't realize gosh. that, you know, he couldn't want, he couldn't be there watching me hurt myself. Couldn't do it. That's just, that was his line. I didn't realize he had a line like that. Cause I look, I've been in the hospital a lot of times. All these teeth are fake and it's not for pole vaulting. None of it is. It's all for crap, crap that I did. Yeah. And, uh, he couldn't, he couldn't stand there and be, uh, accessory to me messing, messing up and, and, and hurting myself. He couldn't do it. And he says, if you won't listen to me and help you not do that, there's no point for me to be here. I can't do it. 
And he had a line. And his line was not, he couldn't, he couldn't stand me becoming a cocky jackass. I've been that sometimes. Yeah. But the, uh, he just couldn't stand there. And while he was telling me the things to do, let my competitive spirit, which seems like a good thing, lead to my destruction. And you have to give up your edge sometimes in seeking that consistency because a lot of times young guys, they just they keep pushing until it breaks. And that is the number one reason that careers end. They just push till it breaks because they have to, you know, that's the. That's yeah. The, and it's the, difficult, too, because at the end of the day, he's like, you know, he's know probably. Yeah, he's probably also probably thinking to himself like, okay, like he, he still is my son. Like maybe we're going too far with this or whatnot. I remember there were a few times where where my dad was kind of just like, hey, I, you know, I don't know if I can really do this anymore. You know, he probably had that moment with all each, each of one of his, of his kids. And uh, it is a difficult, it's a strange thing. It's weird having your, having your dad, you know, be a part of something that you want so, so bad. Um, and he's with you there whenever you're in your really low times and you might say things you don't really mean. And he's, but he also gets to share in the times that are just incredible. And I'm sure that you and your father have shared just things that you will that, that people would never even dream could be true. I mean, it's, it's amazing that what you guys have been able to experience, I bet. Yeah. But he is, uh, definitely uh, a sledgehammer. You know, and he doesn't <laughs> pretend to be anything else. Yeah. And that's great. You know, that's great. You got to know what you're working with. Uh, you can make, you can make art out of just about anything as long as you know what it's made of. Um, yeah. And we, we boiled down our relationship to two big responsibilities, two big responsibilities. He's got to understand what tools I have and I have to give him the best Sam I can on any day. And that's my job. Uh, and so he can, you know, it's not, it's not a puppet master thing, but he can, any good coach, a good coach never has to coach, you know, cause he did all that work in training. Uh, yeah. but being able to guide a competition and foresee being a real competitive coach, you know, not being a technical coach, seeing the field for what it is, is a really important thing. And I remember, I remember the, the, the when he learned, he earned every bit of a dollar he he ever earned as a coach, you know, he earned it one day. And I realized, well, dang, I, this guy is worth millions. He's at the Olympics. It was in the Olympic final and it just rained and we're all sitting there and everybody was up eating a hot dog and drinking a beer in the Olympic stadium. Did not feel like an Olympic final. And by the time I jumped 575, 575, my first time I missed it. And I went from first place to ninth. Because everybody started jumping that bar. And what does he say? At the Olympics, pass. And this is something he's never said before. Like, never. Like, pass 580? Sam doesn't pass bars, you know. I jump it out. You know, that's kind of been my, that was my, that was my moniker. Sam's going to start the first bar like Earl Bell would have told him to. And then he's going to jump every bar until he wins. But he said, pass, kid. You're in ninth. This is the Olympics. You're going for a medal. And he, I said, Oh shoot. I got two attempts going to 585. It's, it's like a bee's dick from my PR. And I said, he says, you're going to make it. You're going to make it just pass. And he was so excited. I, I just, I, I can't bottle that moment up when I'm like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. This is, this is cool. I like what this is. I like this confidence, but it's not typical. So all right, I'll pass I'm jumping on my first jump. 
bronze medal. Nobody else freaking makes it except Renault to go on and jump an Olympic record. Tiago jumps and gets his gold medal um, with the most sterling performance I've seen in the Olympics in history. Yeah. I'm like, no, wait, I would not have done that. I wouldn't have done that. I would have jumped it out. I would have taken two more attempts, probably made it on my third, been exhausted at 85 and not made it. He said, pass it. You got it. That's, but that's, that was atypical of what he would advise, but he's not just a set in stone kind of guy. He says, I'm reading the field of the competition and uh, it is, it has serviced me on three occasions to win me a championship. And it's been really cool. Wow. That's outstanding. I mean, so, so hold on. So you, so you missed your, you missed your, or you made 75. Missed 75. I made 50, uh, 45 and 60 on my first attempt. Okay. And then, so I'm in first place, right? I'm leading the Olympics. Cool. Great. I'm in gold medal position. Right. <laughs> People don't look at the event like that, but damn right. I'm leading the, if, if it, if a lightning bolt comes down and we all got to go in the, in the shelter, not many guys are going to make it on the board. I'm going to freaking win this thing. <sighs> That's how I look at competitions. I'm winning until I'm not. So I keep jumping until I win. Right. And he, uh, he says, you're, you're, you're in, you're in, I think I was in fourth at that point. And he says, you're in fourth place. Pass. Doesn't do you any good. I'm like, what? He's, but that was the best advice ever. You know, I wouldn't wow. have thought of it at all, at all. And that's the, that's the point I'm trying to make. I would not have thought of it at all on my own. Um, now I, now I have that edge because I, I, I have so many awesome competitions to look back on and say, well, I could do it like I did then. It'll work. It's worked like I'll just lose on it. I'll just Shanghai it. I'll just freaking Doha it. And then boom, you win and boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden nobody can beat you. Um, and that's, all that experience just, uh, gives you so much confidence now. So then it's just like when your dad throws that out there, that's it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll do it. That's fine. No sure. big deal. That's it. He, he, he boils down pole vault to poker, uh, not pole vault. And I love, I love playing poker with Mondo. Uh, cause you know, we were talking about how we coaches talk the nitty gritty of pole vault all the time, but at, at the big meets, nobody talks about pole vault. Yeah. Nobody talks about pole vault. We're talking poker. Uh oh. Um, and you know your chips are your. He says your chips are your five eighty jumps in big meets. Oh, and, okay. Uh, you know if you've only jumped five eighty one time, you're not got very much buying power um, because you're not likely to do it again. You know I, I got ninety chips. I was gonna I, say yeah. What what's your chip count now? Because it's up there towards a hundred. Mondo's got, got fifty chips, something like that. Uh, Renault's got 139 chips when he's good, you know? Wow. And so playing poker, you're playing poker and you can really kind of name out the guys. You don't have to remember so far back, Jake, when all the freaking pole vaulters are old guys. They're yeah. old guys. My yeah. manager, Jeff Hartwig, he was the me before me. I'm not yeah. a Brad Walker. I'm a Jeff Hartwig. Yeah. Guys have been like me before. Doesn't mean they've won as much as me, but they don't like me. And that I stick to my mold and I'm running with it for as long as I can. And guys, they're good pole vaulters when they're 32, 34. Jeff Hartwick made the team when he was 38, you know, you go, you just keep going. That's awesome. Right. That's what I want to do. I yeah, for sure. Something that they don't do though, is they don't jump these big bars on four nineties. <laughs> so, so how, how does that, how, how did that all play out? Like, so have you ever, so for the, for the listeners, maybe give some context to those who don't know what a four ninety is and, and what, what we're talking about. Um, you know, cause you, you, you jump huge bars on, you know, quote unquote, not very long poles compared to other elites. Well, uh, I guess the context in that regard would be once upon a time, I used to hold a record. The record was 
the push-off record. I don't think I own it anymore. I think Armando technically owns it if you do the math. But the uh, at one point in time, among all the jumpers through history, I could jump farther above my grip and make a bar than anybody. And uh, I would, you know, in 2015, I would have put that against anybody. In 2017 is when I set the record when I jumped six meters for the first time, holding four eighty five, something like that. Wow. Just, but pole vaulters, they live, they live and die by the math. Okay. They live and die by the math. It's not about the math. It, it, it they, they, they wanted to, they say, Oh, wow. A meter 46. I'm like, oh, you're looking at the event kind of wrong. Um, and you're saying short pole, but you really should be saying Sam's pole, right? Cause they're yeah. two different things. Uh, I think, there's so much about the legacy of this event. It tells people how they think about it. And like I said, I'm not a smart guy. I've just been around the block a couple of times and either you jump the Petrov model or you try to jump like Sean Barber, you know, that's, that's how guys love to jump. They love to get closer to that. They think gripping higher is going to get them closer to that bar. It doesn't, it doesn't absolutely does not. In theory, it does in, in practice never does on beautiful tailwind days at Chula Vista. It might, Okay, on beautiful tailwind days at Texas, Renault can go train for two weeks. And he'll if he watches this, which he won't, I wish he would, but he won't. <sighs> Renault goes to train in Texas for two weeks with a Texas tailwind. He's still not going to break the world record. So that's not how it works. That's not how it works. 490 is plenty of pole jump really high. Now, will you jump six meters on it? That's a skill thing. But a five-meter pole and a 490 pole are about this far apart. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, would I rather jump six meters or 590? Jake, would you rather jump six meters or 590? taking the six meters now you take either what's your pb oh yeah i'd take either of them yeah yeah i'd take both (laughs) take either you know because they're both high bars right the math is not what makes you uh good it's it's what's between your ears yeah and that makes sense i mean because the you know and that's the other thing too is is whenever we you know you raise the bar up uh let's say you raise it 10 centimeters or whatever it's it's like if you like measured it out with your fingers it's like holy cow that's not that much man <laughs> it's pretty crazy it's a, it's a feather on top of a mountain you know yeah. it, you're splitting hairs and that you think you think 14 feet and 14 two are not very far apart but 580 and 590 are super far apart in practice yeah in actuality not really you know right. there's physically no difference between a 580 jumper and a six meter jumper in my opinion yeah that, that is uh jump six meters it's not about bigger poles so then how are you able to do it? Is it a mental thing? Is it a physical thing? Is it timing up your poles correctly? Is it? I try to do it like Buka. Try to do it like Buka. Buka, fast. Now, yeah. I'm not fast. And Mondo will chuckle at you, but the truth is I'm not fast. Uh, but in pole vaulting, I can appear fast, right? <laughs> so Mondo is a lot faster than me. But I learned from Tiago Braz that you can spake being fast in pole vault. And that on the, if Mondo won't watch this, I wish he would, but he won't. Um, Cause he doesn't watch pole vault stuff. He watches golf stuff. Um, yep. <laughs> the, uh, the, the last step, right? You know, the, the, the penultimate step is beautiful in a lot of people. And a lot of people really search for the picture of pole vault. They freeze that frame on their takeoff and they say, wow, I'm a great pole vaulter. It, it's great for 13 feet. It really is. 
But being fast is about being fast off the ground. And in Doha, in the last world championships in 2019, when Mondo and I went head to head, both jumped 597. I did it on a better attempt at 592 to win against him. We were the same speed on the last step, same speed off the ground. No way. That's so, cool. Where, where, how do you make high bars? Jake, Jake, am I asking how, the one way to make a high bar? What does it go? Run fast and grip high. No. <laughs> Get over it fast. Get over it fast, Jake. Get, Get over it. what fast? Get over the bar fast. Okay. Get over the bar fast. If you're over it in a second, uh, you have much less time to lose energy and, and make mistakes. Sergey Buka, which is on an incredibly stiff pole, and he's in the air so fast. If you put a stopwatch to it, to pole vaulters, how much time they spend in the air, you'll see who the best pole vaulters are. There's the guys that don't spend very much time in the air. I learned it's, it takes me way back, right? I did This wasn't an idea that I came up with. I learned it watching a couple of YouTube videos. There's two guys, and you might be able to go find them. Uh, it was a squished video of a jumper named Yevgeny Lukinenko and another video that was kind of squished of Mike Uli, who is now passed away. But Mike Uli was, in this particular video, looked like an absolute beast coming off the top of the pole. And I watched a guy in the high school national championships named Jonathan Edwards come off a 14-foot pole like a madman when I was young. And I said, wow. I can't run fast enough or grip high enough, like Jake says, to pole vault high. I can't do that. I don't have the I don't have the tools, but I can grip where that guy's gripping. I wonder if I could jump like he does, and that's what started it. I did not have the physical tools to race a big pole in there, but I said it's got to be a skill thing. It's got to be, and 100, percent it is, to the most point. You can't fake it uh, on the on the run numbers, but I can use more of what I got. I can use a lot more of what I got, and that's yeah. what. Uh, this, the sports biomechanist would say that I'm a very efficient pole vaulter. And I would say, no, I'm just not a super inefficient pole vaulter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've, you've really, really perfected Sam Kendrick's way of pole vaulting. And what my question is, is, you know, for me, it was very difficult. You know, I was a 555 guy. Um, but it was very difficult for me not to be like, well, if I want to pull vault high, I got a vault. For me at the time, it was it was like Renault and and um, Brad, and and so it was like, well, if I got a gonna pull vault high, I have to vault, you know, like these people. And I did not. And I'm just gonna be candid. Looking back on it, I did not have the supreme confidence in my way of doing things. And I didn't really, if I was honest with myself, believe like that I can make it to that next level, uh, doing it the way that I was going to do it. So has there been any, any times in your career where you have looked around and you've been like, you know, I would say this is when you were younger because, because now you, <laughs> you know, you don't need to look around, but did you, did you find times where you were looking around a little bit? There's five pole vaulters I really pulled from, but I couldn't do it like I couldn't do the whole thing like any of them. Um, and I hope that I'm not. Uh, Coach K might watch this, so I'm sorry, Coach K. Yeah. I had to run like Renault. I got to run like him. He is the best, almost awesome runner in his prime. It's the most cool thing to watch. He is like 
a big wheel, you know, he's <laughs> everything he's freaking got is on that runway. You got to run like for no, you got to jump on a stiff pole, a stiff pole. It's not about how long it is, it's about how stiff it is, Jake. Like you're an auto. You're an auto had some of the stiffest sticks I've ever seen. And they got his big booty up over those 590 and six meters per highest German ever. You got to have grace. You got to have some grace. And Tiago Bronze, I love him to death. He does not have grace in the air. He has grace on the runway. He runs big like Renault. You got to have grace like Sean Barber. Like Sean Barber. Go. He has grace. It's all he is. Just grace. When he was at his best, he is just, he is skill incarnate, you know, like smoke on the water. It, it, you know, it's, it's not the prettiest thing, but it moves and it flows and it worked for him, you know? Right. And that's the thing. That's the intrinsic. That's the intrinsic. I can tell you to jump on a stiff pole and run fast, but the intrinsic one is the grace, right? You got to, you got to sell out for it. You got to sell out for it like Mondo. Mondo from ever since he was a babe, he knows how to sell out for a jump and you got to do that. Curtis Marshall is also a great example of selling out for a jump. And you got to roll with it. You got to you got to roll with the make, makes and the misses like Jeff Harwig. Jeff Harwig is my 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 mentor and both my greatest teacher in the event. And that you're the meme of your career. Don't let don't let the people tell you you're only as good as your last meet because that's what the sport of track and field will tell you. And to a point, it's true. But don't let them tell you that. You ain't got to believe it. You got to roll with it. Makes and misses. Makes and misses. You got to roll with it. Now there's going to be a new generation that comes up. But they may not last that long. And it's not that, that you don't love the guys. It's just you got to roll with it, man. And those are the five aspects of being a great pole vaulter, in my opinion. Yeah, for I sure. I didn't say anything about how long of a pole you did, had to be on, did I? No, I didn't. And you did bring up a good point. You do have to be on a fat cannon uh, to be able to push off as, as much as you is. have. You need to be concerned how fat it is. There you go. There you go. All right. So let's change directions here. I couldn't uh, get over this uh, little tidbit that you gave me just a few minutes ago. Uh, all your teeth are fake. Yeah, all my front teeth here um, from to the canine are fake. What happened? So, uh, this whole part of my face is different than when I was born. And I was a, I was a much prettier guy back in 2010. <laughs> the, uh, but I had an accident playing capture the flag in high school. And I knocked out all of my front teeth, all four of them. And I broke my nose right across this line right here, really bad. Now I dislocated my jaw and, uh, and a few other things down my leg that I deal with through the years. But it's just, you know, being young, you, you think you're invincible until you're not. Yeah, that would consider that selling out for a game of, uh, of, of capture the flag right there, man. Being, being going for it has never been my issue. I've never had, <laughs> you know, Paul Walters call it the yips, but I've never had that. You know, I've never, and it's not that I'm, I'm great. I just, that's not my, that's not my vice. You know, that's not my, that's not the thing that I struggle with. I haven't struggled with the mental capacities because I always started from zero. And then when I was at zero, I didn't have a problem running there and planning the pole. You know, it's because I'm never going farther than I think I can go. Right. I'm never, I'm selling out for it, but I know I've got all the tools to do what I'm doing. Um, right. I've never been hurt pole vaulting. I've broken some poles, but I've never been hurt pole vaulting. Never landed off the mat, never been injected. Um, and those, because I'm always like a lot of people want to say they're doing is I'm jumping within myself, 
But when you when you got all those things dialed in, then you get to sell out. You just get to send it full send. And that's what the sport's about. That's what people get addicted to in the sport. They just get addicted to go for it. Because it's like anything else. It's like a competition. And, you know, you don't want it to be about pole vaulting at the end of the world championship. You want it to be about who does it best um, and who's who's going to be there at the end for the final bar. It's, you know, it's uh, – it's, <laughs> Dan O'Brien said it uh, at the last world championship, like two heavyweight fighters going for one another. I'm like, well – Actually, sport is a lot like that in that if I can take the the, the thing that you, you you trouble yourself with in the beginning out of it, then it's just pure competition. Yeah. Um, can you get over it? Nobody cares how you get over it. They don't care how you jump 597. They just care that you do. Right. That's important. Exactly. 100%. So you had mentioned something about your leg too. Now, I know that you had – I actually listened to another podcast that you did um, before, and you had told a story about – your, your, you had some sort of major injury in high school or something like that. Is it, that was it? Yeah. That I covered the... up my leg and my face. Okay. And then that, that kind of impacted your whole like, uh, transition. Did that impact your transition into college or something somewhat? Was, uh, I was going through a lot of surgeries, uh, my senior year of high school and, and jumping throughout it. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, it, I wouldn't go back and change a thing. You know, the funny thing about it, even through all that pain and making my mama cry and, you know, working through all it, it started me off, uh, really learning how not to do that again, how to be really, really taking great ownership of my body and how to, uh, really not care about pain, care about pain, but not care about pain. That's a very valuable tool for a young man. I think that you, you can't say ow. You can say ow, but you can't let it stop you from going on. You got to be courageous through your pain, uh, but you got to know when it's what, what kind of pain there is. Um, and that's a whole different, you know, anatomical kind of taking care of yourself podcast. Uh, Absolutely. I, I do have one question though, that you had mentioned that. So I saw this on an Instagram ad um, that you were involved with Kelly Starrett. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I learned so freaking much in two days talking to this guy and it connected so many dots for me about how I needed to expect myself to be every morning. What standard was I going to hold my physicality to, um, in my, in my adult body? And should I be able to wake up every morning and jump and I say, heck yeah, what do I got to do the night before? And that became my crusade about, Hey, well, how am I going to continue in this sport? I can't just get more broken as I and use more bandages. I wanted to use fewer bandages and fewer tapes and fewer braces. As I go through the years, I want to be more and more effective because I started being ineffective and I came through, like all athletes do, I came through a lot of pain and not knowing how to fix it and uh, learning how to fix your pain is real important as to any athlete. Right. And, so, and uh, he, he, uh, he taught me so much in two days because my buddy, my college roommate, he worked for him for about two years. So I just went out there and visited with my buddy Nathan and my buddy Nathan worked for Kelly. And so I just really kind of vibed out with Kelly. He, we we're two very like-minded fellows. Yeah. So he's very involved. He, it, for those of you who don't know, he wrote uh, Becoming a Supple Leopard, uh, which is a really incredible book. Uh, a lot of it based around mobility and things like that. So is that something that you, what's that? Pictures. 
Angry. Yeah. Great pictures. Uh, so is that something that you incorporate into your training regimen is, you know, mobility work and things like that? Absolutely. You know, that's a, it's a bit of a leading question, Jake, but the, uh, uh, the nature of being an athlete is that your pains are not so uncommon. And that's what I learned from Kelly. He says that, yeah, yeah, you're a pole vaulter, but that's, you know, I'm sure somebody that cuts wood all day probably feels the same way you do. And thinking I'm special physically is what held me back from getting a lot of different cool stuff done to me. Um, because I feel like I have to be more optimized to be a pole vaulter. And that is not the case. Not the case. You don't need some big Quasimodo hump like I've got to be a good pole vaulter. You want to be very balanced. You just want to be an athlete. Uh, and you want to be, it lets your skill shine through your physical nature. Um, and my whole basement in my house, I just finished my house last year. And uh, in my whole downstairs, like, 3,000 square feet is just a training hall and uh, mobility and uh, physio training center. You know, it's got cold tub, hot tub, spa, turf, lifting racks, everything you could, everything you can want, tens units, tables, uh, hydrocolators, a kitchen. Uh, it's, it's everything you need. It's a, it's a really an athlete's dream world uh, in my place. And I built that right up the hill from where I trained pole vault. So I kind of brought my work home with me. I didn't let it, I'm not letting it be anybody else's full responsibility to take care of me. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and that, uh, brings me to, uh, Rancho Olympia. Is that what you guys is what it's called is your training grounds. My dad has always named things. You know, if you join this cross country team, you got a nickname. So everything's got a name, every hilltop, every tree got a name, <laughs> call it what it is. You know, you give it a name, you can talk about it. So this is, uh, your training facility that is on, on your property or your dad's or it's kind of a spinoff joke. Um, because when you go to the Olympics, you have to sign your freaking soul away to say you won't use the Olympics to advertise for anything. And so we didn't call it the Olympic Training Center. We called it something off-brand. Rancho Olympia sounds great. You <laughs> know, does. and that big horse guy, so it's a ranch. And uh, and we painted the Olympic rings in only the color white on my barn. So it's everything is uh, kind of feels like Hayward down there, really green. Everything's painted green, uh, red track. It it's really kind of cool special and it's something i invested in uh, with the help of some good people after my first world championships because i said well i need to be able to not care if somebody kicks me out of their facility for whatever reason uh ding dang 2020 yeah for sure that uh yeah that was probably pretty crazy going through that i guess we could uh talk about really quickly so during you know how does an elite vaulter manage you know going navigating 2020 and finding places to train and, and the ups and downs of that. It was that, that was probably pretty crazy. Well, Jake, let me, uh, let me be real upfront with you. Um, and everybody listening, uh, you may, you, you could probably tell a lot about me about what I'm about to say. Uh, nobody cares what you can't do. They only care what you can. Uh, and I don't, I grew up, cutting chains on lock facilities and borrowing poles under cover of night and shimming under fences and getting kicked out of places because at the end of the day, nobody, nobody cares about all that stuff. I mean, this is all going to blow over eventually. And yeah, if you were locked in, if and I come from a place where I don't have to let somebody lock me in my own dang house so I can go do whatever the hell I want. I'm not going to let anybody stop me because at the end of the day, they're not going to be the ones on the end of the pole risking their neck to do their thing that they love how to do. I don't have to give that away to anybody. Right. So, uh, 
uh, I built a mom facility and someone kicking me out. Yeah, I may not be able to go talk to any uh, various doctors and whatnot, but I can do a lot for myself. I'm not going to be somebody's victim or I'm Absolutely. not going to be in a circumstance, certainly. Absolutely. That's awesome. So yeah, ended up, uh, you know, doing well, you must've had a pretty good year of training and things because you ended up, you know, you're, you're jumping well now it looks like. And, uh, no, I, I, I took, I took a, a step back from my training cause you only, you train up to a point, you train up to your big scheme of competitions. Uh, you train up to that championship and there's not one in your purview. Well, you drop down. I was training three days a week rather than five, you know, and that, gives me time to finish my house and work on other stuff. Yeah. Um, it was probably a nice time to reset and like, uh, be with your family and with your wife and, and, and really, you know, be with them during that time. That was probably pretty cool. Well, you know, the, one of my greatest assets is I've never taken, taken truly more than a couple of weeks off at any point in my athletic career. Uh, yeah. It, there's never been a point where I just put on 10 pounds cause I wanted to take a month and a half off and kind of flub out. There's, I'm, I'm pretty hard and fellow pretty, if Sam is 178 and a half pounds or 181 and a half pounds, you know, he's ready to go pole vault 19 feet somewhere. There um, you go. It's, that's just, it's, I, I've sacrificed every extracurricular sport that I could play besides playing soccer with myself. I've sacrificed drinking and doing all that cool stuff. So I can do one thing really good and that's pole vaulting. And I'm okay with that sacrifice. It kind of became who I am. Yeah. That's awesome. So speak, we, we had touched about, uh, in 2020, you maybe had some extra time that you got to spend with your family. So you travel probably all the time and you're overseas and then you're back over here and then you're this, that, and the other, how does that, you seem like just from, you know, social media and things like that, you seem like a, a family man. And how does that, how is that with the, all the traveling and things like that? And with, uh, you know, being able to be that family man and how do you manage all that? Well, uh, young people listening to this success is not the sage. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not smart. I'm going to say that's the third time I've said that. I'm not smart. <laughs> uh, but your athletic career ends and every great athlete that came before me, uh, told me two things. One, you're going to retire your heroes and two, it's going to be over kid. Uh, and that is so true. You can't just sell sell, sell out. You can't just sell out for what's between the lines. You know, I probably did most of my traveling and most, the long, most traveling I've ever done was probably in 2018. And of course I'm going everywhere. I'm going to every meet. It's the boom. It's, it's, it's kind of a dead year, but every other small competition is more lauded because there's no championship. Every big athlete is going to all the meets because they don't have an excuse to just, peel off a month early before you go train before the championships. The big names are in all the big meets. It's cool. And right. I'm everywhere. And I took my lovely wife with me. Uh, and when I came home, I really, really learned how to enjoy home, you know, and I get the, one of the greatest gifts this sport has given me is that I don't, I can do sport and I can be that. And that's all I have to be. That's not all I am, but that's all I have to be. The uh, and so when I get to come home to my fortress, my fortress of solitude, I get to rest, man. It is the biggest, most awesome feeling when you come at, back after a good swing through Europe and you just get to take one or two days and say, Oh man, it feels good to get off my tired feet. And that, if you haven't had an adventure, an adventure like that, like going on the road for three weeks, not knowing how it's going to work out at the end, especially in the last year, uh, you, you won't get the feeling 
of just being able to really rest. And that is, that's, it's one of the best feelings ever. And you have to get really freaking tired and jet lag and sleep deprived and sore and hurt in order to feel that way. It's like coming back from a long training exercise in the army or I, I haven't been deployed, but I'm assuming it's like that. You just come home tired and everybody leaves you alone for a day. And yeah. it's one of the coolest times I just, usually I wake up early in the morning or I close the blinds and I sleep in just like I never would have before. And it's a great feeling. And it's, it's hard to have that as I would assume it's hard to achieve that in another walk of life. Um, right. My twin brother certainly wouldn't get to say that except on Saturdays, you know? Right. Right. So it sounds like, uh, it sounds pretty cool. So I, I guess I was curious about, uh, just how that worked with your wife, because whenever I was traveling around just in the States doing these, you know, some emerging elite meets, let's call them. Um, and, and it got to a point where it was like, Hey, you know, you need to be here every once in a while, you know, around the house, you know, and, and, you know, in my, where I was at in my career, it was, I didn't have the ability to be able to bring her. So that's pretty cool. So you guys have probably had some really cool experiences having her there with you as well. Well, after we got married, the, uh, uh, I can't take her everywhere, you know, but because most of it's a grind, man, your airport hotel track and you're back to that air, uh, the hotel, man. Cause you got to leave the next morning at 6am on some easy jet flight to get your poles to the next place. It's a, it's not a place for my lovely wife, you know, I want to be able to, but when the meets have four or five days in between them in the summer, like late summer, I'll take her. And she gets a real rosy view of what I do. And yeah. I'll take her on the indoor meets and tell her what kind of a slog it is. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, it, it, every relationship's different, but I had to really help my wife be more, uh, independent when I wasn't there. And, I had to tell her that when I got home, no matter how tired I was, I was still going to be there. You know, I couldn't just check out. Right. Um, and I had to, I had, I, you have to have a, your, your, your own gas tank as a professional athlete and a, and a successfully married man is that you just not allowed to go to empty. And yeah. the military taught me about that. You're just not allowed to be empty, man. You don't have to be a hundred percent. You just can't be empty. Um, right. And you can't just say, uh, you're going to do something. You got to put your boots on and go do something. You got to go live that life too. And that's just the, that's just the cross we bear as men, you know? And, uh, and if I'm gone, I better be making something happen. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm better me. I was gone six weeks at one time last year and that's hard. That's hard. But I just moved my wife into a new house and I set it all up. So she didn't have to uh, worry about anything, but her job. And it was, it worked but it's yeah. not going to work much longer. I'm trying not to be gone for six weeks at a time. That's a long time, man. That is a decent a track. Time. Yeah. It, 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 well, I've been, but I, you know, while we were dating, I was gone months at a time for the army. And, uh, and so she's well-trained in that regard to yeah. say, well, Sam's not here. Just lock up tighter at night. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So let's go into some people may not understand your, uh, relationship with the army. Um, and I don't completely understand it either. Uh, I remember whenever you had, you were at Ole Miss and you had popped off your first 580 and, and everyone was like, Whoa, Sam Kendricks is, you know, he's doing really well. And then it soon came out that you were going to continue to compete, uh, as a professional. 
I was, we were, I was kind of like, well, I thought he was going to the army or whatnot. So how, what, what is your relationship with the army and how, how is all of that working? Well, remember in the very beginning when I said when I was in high school, nobody really wanted me. Uh, the, uh, I didn't have any college pole vaulting offers. And so how did I pay for school? Well, I went and joined the ROTC program because, you know, the lifestyle that I led up to that point, my dad was a Marine is, you know, I tell you about how I laced up my boots and we had to go running every morning. It's very military conducive. That fit right in, mm-hmm. in that training environment. It was good for me and I was good for it. Um, and I was going to be it before I ever had designs to be a professional pole vaulter. I was going to be a professional soldier. It's just like I told you earlier, your life changes every year, every two years. It does. And I went from being pursuing an active duty army career to pursuing a professional pole vaulting career. And I did forgo my final year of eligibility at Ole Miss. I didn't stop going to school and I graduated a commission the year after I left the Ole Miss track team, which was in 2015. And I joined my reserve unit in Lincoln, Tennessee. Now my reserve unit and I have, they've been so cooperative with me. You know, I, as, as a Lieutenant in the reserves, your responsibilities are specific, but few. And the, uh, you basically have to fill the list and you got to be the image of the, whatever, whatever standard the army says that a soldier needs to abide by. So I got to, I got to look the part and act the part and not put a foot in my mouth and be able to talk to young soldiers and teach classes and administer plans and logistics and briefs and things like that. And that's what an army officer does. He's a manager basically. Mm-hmm. And they've given me all the space I needed in order to compete because at the end of the day, the reserves is not in the business of, preventing people from pursuing professional careers. They're in the service of, uh, they're in the business of keeping good people tied to the military um, so that when they're needed, they can be called on. And that's really a lifestyle that fits well with me. Wow. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, So moving into this year is an Olympic year. Is, is, is anything that you do different leading up you know, during an Olympic year, as opposed to any other championship year. Absolutely. Now, any other championship year is not me anymore. When I was a beginning uh, professional, what's the most important meet? Jake, I'm asking you, what's the most important meet? The next meet. No. <laughs> I don't know. You keep hitting me with the these USA questions. Championship. The USA championship is the most important meet. Is this the what? I'm sorry. The USA championship is the oh, most. Oh yeah, yeah. Why? Because that's where you get selected to go to the big show, right? That's it. So you have to, you have to, your skein of everything converges on that. And for this year, it's no different for me. It has to be the trials. Your number one priority is not the Olympics at all. It's the trials. Um, uh, because if you don't do well, time has told us that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Now, but next year, just like last year or 2019, I have a wild card in the world championships because I'm the reigning champion. I have a wild card. That means that Americans get four people. That's the rules. How cool is that? I'm going to be awesome. So when I go to the high in 2020, uh, 2022, I will be going to every single meet I can possibly go to, including the USA championships. Uh, Because why I'm professional. That's where I make my money going to compete. And so I cram in as many meets as I can because they make me better as a competitor and they get me paid. Right. Do you ever get um, frustrated at all with the 
system of selecting the Olympic team? We, so, <clears throat> Jacob, all over the world provided by track and field. Talk to mm-hmm. just about everybody. I'm a, I'm a pretty, I like to talk to, talk to people. I got that from my dad. I didn't used to, but he taught me how to, how to talk and learn from people. He's very, very astute. He could talk to a stump and I could probably do it now too. Skill. <laughs> now, everybody has had that conversation everywhere. Is it a good system? And the only question you have to ask yourself to answer that question, like Yoda might, is, is what would you do better? better well i don't know i mean because if it's not you're the most consistent person in the united states so me as an american i want sam kendricks to go to the olympics and represent the united states and that is and that's the hard that's in my opinion and this is just my opinion i'm sure you've heard it a million times but it's just hard because uh I don't know exactly how other countries do it, but it is difficult that if somebody it's hard too because the the Olympic trials are so you you just said yourself that you are training for the Olympic trials, but then you gotta wait how long after the Olympic trial, you know, you you're kind of let's say peaking for the Olympic trials, and then you have what is it, a month or two? And then you get to jump at the Olympics where these other people in these other countries might get put into the Olympics um, via some other s- sort of system. And they are training to peak at the Olympics. See, there's a selection uh, or the way the U.S. does it, which is you compete for the privilege. Mm. Now, if... And you know that in the state of America, there's no fair way to do it than say compete for it, right? I don't know. I mean, this is just my opinion, but I mean, I'm talking to a guy who has made 580 almost 100 times. So the chances of putting somebody into an Olympic game like that. I would tell you, Jake that I am not America's only chance for a medal in the pole vault. No, 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 I'm not saying that. And that is, that is the distinction. And that's the, that's the crucible we have developed in America is that if I assume I'm our best hope, then you have to assume that for so many people and for how long. And how do you send them a letter to say, sorry, you're no longer our, our lead pony. They can't yeah. do it. And they know, and they know America's going to be a damn fine team. I don't care who makes it. They know it. So why, why do I worry about Sam Kendrick's making the squad or not? Yeah, sure. I, I wish he was on there, but it, it they're going to still have three good guys. They're going to have three good guys. For sure. It me, it'll be Chris Nelson and Cole Walsh. I mean, hell, I'd love to see Zach Bradford on there. You know, right. these guys, they know what the heck they're doing. They'll, they may not get a medal, but so what? America will get a medal in another place. They'll get three medals in the hurdles or something. You know, the Olympics right. was made for America because – we packed the we packed the list with great people. Always have. It's hard to beat America unless you're. And then you know, since Russia's not anymore, it's it's almost it's almost just a whole different game. You know, it's. it's yeah, and I guess I guess you I, I guess it's a good point because you know, yeah, being know you, a true professional. But I, but I'm I'm not the only pole vaulter America's got. So. Yeah, of course, of course. I I, I think that uh, you know a true professional like you were saying earlier. A, you know, should be ready to pop off at any moment. Like you had said earlier, like if you're, you, you 
are in condition, ready to rock basically year round. Yeah. And, and no, that's, that that's one of the things I, I it was kind of solidified in my mind talking to old Storette out in California and says, why can't you be as good today as you'd be in April? You think your tissues are better at sprinting now than they'll be then? You think you can only sprint for a few weeks to get really, really fast? And like, as a pole vaulter, that didn't sound really, it doesn't sound really a recipe for success and consistency if you're only training like this. Nah, you're kind of like this, man. You're just up here on your peak. You want to stay here as long as you can. That makes sense. Um, I can't work as hard as I want every day. Uh, there is a limit to how much work I can do though. Mm -hmm. No, that makes, that makes total sense. And, uh, and I, I could see how, how, you know, if you're training, if you're going up and you're going down and you're going up and you're going down, how in those down times, I, I know, you know, personally workout, uh, selling workouts. If you say, well, you do these workouts for 21 days, you're going to get better. But in the world, it doesn't work like that. Right. Because how, Jake, how hard should I train to jump 607? Tell me how hard should oh, I train? Geez, not another one of these Is the questions. answer harder than I've done before? Because it's not, it's not right. how it works. Yeah. I don't get better by just training harder. That's not how it works at all in pole vault. I mean, it might be that way in some other events, but it ain't that way in pole vault, homie. Uh, yeah. I don't, you ask Brian Krauser, he'd probably say, yeah, I got to be X strong in order to have X legs. I'm like, not in the pole vault. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, you know, when I'm not going to, I'm going to, I want to respect your time here, but um, here's an interesting one that I was, I was pondering. Um, your younger brother is having some, some success. Uh, he looks really good. Um, jumping well, and seems like, uh, he's got a bright future out ahead of him. Is there any specific advice that you're, you are kind of instilling into him, uh, you know, from the older brother to the younger brother? You know, uh, I tell him all the time, be thankful for what you've got. Now that sounds like I'm some old crotchety guy hauling up my pants, you know, all washed up. And I'm like, no, Johnny, 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 Johnny. This is my little brother. I call him. You ever seen him remember the Titans? Of course you have. You're not under the age of 22. Oh yeah. Uh, you remember that quarterback, Sunshine? Oh yeah. My little brother's Sunshine. He, yeah. He's just full <laughs> of potential and he's just cool and his hair's crazy and he, He's just good, you know, and I'm real proud of him. Yeah. But he's he also good. very talented. He's talented. Mm -hmm. I, I've looked at, I look at him and tell me, no, you have not worked as hard as some guys have worked to jump as high as you have. You're talented. Okay. Guys like me, not talented. You, talented. Uh, you are growing fast. You're growing fast. You're maturing fast. Don't get hurt. I can help you not get hurt if you listen to me. Three, you've got the best coach in the world. You got the best coach in the world. He's better, a lot better than the coach I had. Same guy, you know, he's, he's been tempered through years and years of training guys like me and guys what better than me. He knows exactly how to make you a good pole vaulter. And he won't remember when I said earlier at 14 feet, my dad had to become a better coach. Nope, not anymore. He's plenty good coach to coach Johnny. Yeah, I would say <laughs> so. However high he wants to jump, he knows exactly what he needs to do. And number four, He's got nothing but time, nothing but time. And I, I got a room in my basement and Johnny can go live with me and take a gap year in school. And he'll come to the NCAA and he'll be a force to be reckoned with. And I want, if any coach listens to this, 
you call me, okay? You call me about Johnny. Because I'm real proud. I'm, I'm going to talk crap to anybody about my little brother. I didn't know if I'd be I'm cocky on his behalf. That's for sure. That's he weird, looks good. I, I didn't feel this way five years ago, but I feel that way now. Yeah, of course. Uh, and he, he's a sophomore right now? Yeah, he's a sophomore. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really, it, it's been cool to uh, just see see what you guys are doing. Something and really things cool like that. happening in Mississippi right now. The uh, He is in the north half of the state, so they compete in the north state meet. But he's got a friend named Aaron that competes in the south state. And they both set north and south state records. And they're coming no. together at the state meet. So two record holders are going, and I don't know if it's ever happened in Mississippi, but Mississippi had a big shakeup of their divisions. And I don't like how they did. And I don't like what ended up. It just seems like not excellent. does not shine through everywhere in Mississippi right now. And I'm not throwing them under the bus. I'm putting pressure on coaches to go learn more or uh, schools to pay those coaches to go learn some more because it, right now it's, it's hard to see uh, excellent shining through in a lot of places. Uh, they're not really instilling it in many young people. But right. right now in the pole vault in 6A in Mississippi, there's two guys that are really talented coming together. Uh, Aaron is a little bit older. I don't know his past. I wouldn't put the moniker of him being talented together, but he can pull up 15 feet, two inches. I know that for sure. Um, and so there's two 15 footers going for the state title in Mississippi. Uh, Johnny can't break all. I, 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 I'd gladly give him every record I've got. He said, Johnny can have them. I'd love for him to break all my dang records. Uh, I didn't think I'd have set any records and he said he's got all of them. Uh, well, he's got a couple. He needs to break my, he needs to break all my records. I'd love for him to have them, but they're, uh, I technically competed in a different division when I was in high school 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, um, and so he won't be able to break those records, but he'll be able to break others. Gotcha. That's awesome. That's uh, that's that'll be really really cool. And he's, I mean, he's got all the all the tools that he needs to to become a, a really good uh, pole vault. What'd you tell your younger brothers? Oh man, that's a good question, man. You keep hitting me with these questions, man. I'm I'm supposed to be one asking the question. <laughs> you're you're getting me stuck up here. Um, I. I don't, I don't know if I really, you know, to be honest with you, I left a lot of it up to my dad and just said, you know, just listen to dad, listen to dad. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, one thing, this is a good point. I strayed away, um, from my dad towards the end of my career. I, I started thinking to myself, well, the answers are not, you know, in my house, like on how uh, to get to that next level, the answers aren't here. They're somewhere else or, or whatever, or, uh, this training method that we're doing, I, I need to do something different. And, and I strayed away and I did terribly. And, uh, just like, kind of like the prodigal son, you know, I returned and, and I, I said, dad, I would messed up you know, can, can I come back? <laughs> can, can you help me? Can you help me? And I, and that is the one thing that I told my brothers is, is, you know, specifically Luke now that he's continuing to jump is like, man, listen, Luke, you, you, it's all there for you. It's all there for you, for you to reach your ultimate potential. Um, That's what I told Johnny. But, but if you, if you start looking at other people and you start worrying about what they're doing and you don't stay in your lane, you don't stay in our lane, we're going to have issues and, and it's not going to be fun. And at the end of it, I wanted, I, I want 
everyone, our, you know, our family to be able to kind of come together and be like, you know, we did it our way and, and no regrets. We did it our way and we stuck to it. And, um, you know, we ended up where we That's ended up proud of right there. How old are you compared to Luke? I mean, how much older are you? I'm 33. So I'm like eight years okay. I'm older. I'm 12 years older than Johnny. So I feel like his uncle, you know, I'm like three yeah. generations past, You're two generations past Luke. It's a weird feeling. Um, right. That I, my brother speaks a different language than me. It's a funny thing. I feel like I'm old now because he's 16, and I don't know what this means. But kids say it means I. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing, kid? I just go. Don't why? What is? Why does people say I got to flex on them? I mean, just because you want to. I don't know. Every kid wants muscles. That's the thing I told Johnny. I said, Johnny, you're skinny. You're like me. It's great. greatest asset. You're gonna want muscles. Don't chase them. They'll come later. Okay. Lesson finished. I know it won't stick in. I'll have to tell you 10 more times. Don't right. go pump iron thinking it's going to help you in the pole vault. It don't. I once saw Renault Levillani at the Olympic Training Center uh, go try to lift weights for the first time. He just didn't do it. <laughs> Not necessary. It, it, yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it, it is kind of weird, you know, not weird, but you, Renault, and Mondo, there was a, there was a time whenever you and I were younger, when lifting and getting huge in the pole vault, like it was like, you need to be banging these weights around. You need to be putting up these numbers. You need to be gripping this high. You need to be on five twenties. Like you, you, if you want to make it, that's what you got to do. And you and Renault, and, and I guess Mondo, he's, he's younger, but you guys shook that up you guys shook that up and you guys proved like, Hey, no, 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 no. Let's, let's, we can think about this another way here. You know, you don't have to be able to clean, you know, 300 some pounds from the floor. You know, you, you can be really good doing it a different way. And, um, that was pretty, pretty admirable. So what did weightlifting and, and, and things like that in your training, what did, what role did that play? Well, I told you I started out as a runner and I had no prospects. And when I tell you that I'm not smart, I tell you the truth. I'm not four smart. times. <laughs> uh, I wanted to lift so bad, but every time I looked at a weight, I got hurt. Every time I looked at it. And uh, it, it was just fortuitous that I, it when I was a freshman in college, my dad became a volunteer at Ole Miss and he says, take him out of the lifting program. 100%. Take him out of it. Not doing him any good at all. He's not even strong. He's not even got enough testosterone to put on any muscle. He's not doing him any good. You're not making him more flexible. They don't have a scheme to make me better in the weight room, but I did have one on a pull bar. I once watched uh, you ever heard of a guy named Michael Seaman. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I watched Michael Seaman do a pull-up workout, and I got so freaking strong, Jake, on a pull-up bar that I, I, I was so strong when I was 18. After I had this injury and whatnot, I got so strong when I was 18 and 19, and I trained the 400, and I got so tough. I was made out of steel at Ole Miss. I was ready to run on that 4 by 4 and I was hardy on the bar. I couldn't fail. The, I could not max the Army PT test. I was a great well-rounded athlete um and I was and to tell me that I wasn't strong enough to pole vault didn't make sense to me didn't make sense to me 
but every guy wants to be stronger. He wants to have those muscles popping everywhere. They do. You just got to accept that it's going to look differently than you seen beforehand. And later, I my dad heard Philippe Doncos, Renaud Lavillanese's second coach, uh, and he heard him speak at the Reno Pole Summit, and he says, Renaud, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't lift. And you could, you could like hear the gasps around the pole. So oh, he doesn't lift heresy. Right. Ah, burn him. <laughs> it was crazy. It um, and he says, he doesn't know how. And I was like, when I heard that, you know, I hear my dad is such a good storyteller. It's like, I was standing there myself. Uh, he says, I, I thought about that. I'm like, you know what? You're freaking right. You gotta be good to lift weights and get strong at it. You gotta be really good. And I'm trying to be a good pole vaulter. I don't got time to do both. And if I'm trying to do one, I'm going to take away from t'other. Uh, but I did know how to run. And I did know how to work hard. And I could be hardy. Now, I'm not nearly as robust on the pull-up bar. I can't run the 400 like I could when I was 19. But I'm a much finer pole vaulter. So much more fine of a pole vaulter. I, my skill level has gone through the roof in the last five years. Where in college, I was a very physical pole vaulter. A very physical one. Um, and a decent mental one, but it, as, as those, those, I'm a much more mental pole vaulter now than a physical one. And now I've got a ton more tools than I had in college because I'm 28 years old. And you know, that's what happens when guys reach start touching 30 is mm-hmm. they get strong for no reason. I mean, I've watched guys go out to the basketball court behind the police station at 26 and they're way better than they were in high school. And they ain't done shit. <laughs> Why is that? Is it cheating? Are they doping? No, they're just getting older. Maturity, man. Maturity is the number one asset of a man in pole vault. Wait for it. It'll come to you. Just get good at pole vaulting. It'll fill in the gaps, man. Renault Villainy, I saw him take jumps in jeans, in jeans the night before the pole vault summit in 2015, where I went and jumped 586 and set the world push-off best record, and he still beat my butt. Because he jumped 20 jumps the night before in jeans. He didn't care. He's a great pole vaulter. Right. You know, he had his whole posse there. He's probably getting paid 30 grand, but it's just how that works. You know, he's good at pole vaulting. Right. So, so just like maturity and, you know, eventually you'll start to develop those muscles maybe naturally and, and, and and you just kind of waited for it to prosper. Guys don't listen to me. Um, and that's fine. That's fine. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, it still is kind of, I don't know, man. I think that you, that you three, you, and, and I don't know Mondo's lifting situation, but I, I've heard that it's pretty, it was minimal. Then maybe he started lifting a little bit. It, I, I lift consistently now, but I lift an accessory to my other things. Gotcha. Um, but I think that you guys might have changed the way that pole vaulters think um, because we it, easier, we made it easier to get better. Yeah. You don't have to add so many different pieces. We just right. made it get better. Guys are getting better faster all the time because they don't realize I don't have to, not to, you know, I have to have some souped up car to get on the drag, drag strip. I just got to race, man. Right. Um, and uh, you get better, you know, become a better driver. Don't go buy a better car. Uh, there you go. Okay. Well, since we're on the topic of exercises, I kind of uh, throw these quest this question out there um, to everybody. Um, it's it's a it's an interesting thing to think about. So, 
you get to pole vault as much as you want. Okay. So this is just, this is a, a little question for you. You get to pole vault as much as you want, but you got to choose three exercises to do for the rest of your career. And you can't do any other ones besides those three, but you get to pole vault as much as you want. What are they? What would they be? So is like doing a long run, one of those things. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say a long run. Oh no, no, no. hold on. You mean like a long, like a long run, like a long approach? Yeah, I want to be able to jog. Is that one of those three things? You want to be able to jog? Interesting. Well, um, no, it, can I put that in? Like, I type of exercise. It's three things. It's okay, three things. Um, He's thinking. You're gonna you're gonna laugh. Um now if I say like a like a, an activity, does everything that comes along with that activity go into it as well? You're bending the rules. Okay. Uh no 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 no. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. Uh run hurdles. Okay. Be a hurdler. Be a hurdler, you know, that's one. Uh two. Um, uh, do pull-ups and three, uh, run the 400. Oh, wow. Interesting. So very sprinting and leg dominant and, and, uh, one strength exercise, uh, hip speed hurdles, man. Uh, Hurdles are timing speed flexibility, grace, and the things that go in with being able to hurdle toughness, longevity, um, uh, resistance to fatigue in the 400 and everything that knits together, all those, all those tissues like uh, pull-ups, you know? Wow. Yeah. And then obviously you get all of the benefits of pole vaulting. Pole vaulting is a great exercise. (laughs) You got to have something. You got to have something that's not pole vaulting to develop the, the the strength in in this the, the range from your all the way from the from your nipples to your knees and from your fingertips to your toes you got to have something to lay together all those tissues yeah and then you you would say that the pull-up would do that for you Simple. awesome very cool all right so let's get into some question and answer here from instagram before we okay. hop off of here okay so uh this one was from at Anthony Devaneri, at Rivari, at Michael Tucker, and at Lightning Bolt 04. So, a, and then there was more people that had this question too. What do you do mentally to prepare yourself to take a high pressure vault? Okay. All right, so I'm going to preface this with every jump, it should not be a high-pressure jump, okay? Mm-hmm. High-pressure jump, I'm going to say this is the jump for the win or for second place, right? High-pressure jump's not a third attempt jump at 530. It's not. It's not a first attempt jump at 520, which is your opener bar. Those aren't high pre- if those are your high-pressure jumps, that's what you got to train. Um, jump those bars until you're, you're sick of them and make every one of them, and then you won't be – 
you, you need to just not be scared of the low stuff. Um, but to get ready for a high pressure bar is so much about, uh, and I, you know, I make this move because it's a, it's a holistic thing that you have to just relax. My gosh, the, <laughs> the, 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 I can't do anything better. I'm already doing it as good as I can. I can't just think about five different things at once. I've been doing this a long time. All right. Um, and it may not work for everybody, but I mean, all the details of it are new. It's not about getting my hand up faster, get my foot down. Those are things you do. You worry about when you're learning this sport. I got to relax because in relaxing, I get to find the moment. There's a critical moment in every jump. And for me, it's at the back of the runway. It's before I step off and I say, I'm picking my line. I'm picking my line to get up over that bar. Kind of like seeing the future of how I'm going to get over that, 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 that bar in front of me. And I got to relax because I'm just following that line. And it's a, it's like a, like a thread. You know, if, if anybody's watching this and you're an anime fan, right, there's a show out called Demon Slayer. And that, the, the main character in that, he finds the thread. And I'm a total anime fan, but <laughs> finds the thread and that's the way he defeats his enemy. He finds the gap. And that is so true about being a master of a pole vaulter. Or I've, I've heard golfers do it as well. Says, I'm just trying to find the line and connect it. All I got to do is connect it. It's easy at that point. It's as easy as a good jump. When you find the line, it's, it's you know, it's easy. It makes the sport seem like it's not shouldn't be so hard. Uh, but it is hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a hard sport. And that's why men on the circuit respect each other because of it. Because it's hard. Why not be friends? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you pick your I got to relax and find my line, you relax know, like surfer, or snowboarder. I got to pick my line going down that mountain. Yeah. This is interesting. You, you have had just like I kind of thought would happen. You have kind of blown up a lot of traditional like thought, like thought patterns and things like that, you know, like what, like what we were talking about with the strength and the speed and things like that. And, you know, usually when people answer that question, they, they might, uh, have more technical type, you know, thought patterns and things like that. This is very interesting because you're, you're, you're saying yours is more like a flow instead of, you know, just a super nitpicky technical stuff. There's a, there's another sign, right? Pole vaulting is people coaching is done with analogies most of the time. Uh, but when you want to make, you want to make the data seem important to somebody, it's not that hard. You, you know, that's why people believe uh, everything they believe about the coronavirus. So you just throw some data at them. They'll start believing it. <laughs> um, they'll believe whatever you tell them. You say science to say it, you know, if coaches have said it for years that you got to grip 520, you got to run, you got to run like uh, freaking Luca in order to jump high. You can hear my right. hold up over there. Yeah, it's good. not the case, um, but there is your data. There's your data that really matters. Um, and that's the thing that you can't get from Brad Walker, Jake. You can't get it from uh, Renella Villainy is your data. And in the army or in as, as a, if you're a great shooter or a sniper, you're going to call that dope data on previous engagements. And that takes the stress off of me most of the time, because I know that it's Sam. If I can distill me down to a few factors i'm this weight i feel this good my flexibility is this good and um i'm well rested well i'm probably going to be on my third pole the stands are going to be at 70 and i could probably jump all the way to 70 that way just wow. just how it works you know that's just how it works it makes it easy um right coach k and i if we're going to teach young people we're going to use the simple 
mats of pole vault. There's a few of them, you know, you run a step for every foot you want to jump. If you want to jump 16 feet, run freaking 16 steps. It's not that hard, kid. Um, if you want to jump 20 feet, you better run freaking 20 steps. Don't try to do it from eight, 18 steps. You're not Mondo to plan this, okay? If you're if you're uh, six feet tall, you're going to have a 15-foot uh, stride length. You know, that's just how it works, man. Don't ask me how. It just does, okay? And don't make it so much harder. Get close and then fill in the gaps from there. Um, and right. so my efficiency and competition comes from knowing what I did last time, you know? And that, that uh, goes back to keeping that journal probably and, and being able to remember those things and recall that stuff. I'm probably doing this audio, but I'm going to show this to you, Jake. Yeah, for sure. Um, my old man took my training wall here and he's got the most lovely handwriting. They described to me my jump session. Right? And you'll look at the middle and you'll see, you see an O or you see an X. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of an arrow. Mm-hmm. Now, to most people, uh, it wouldn't mean much. But that can tell you, based on those conditions, how Sam is likely to clear a bar. Because like I told you before, my number one job is to give him the best Sam I can give. And if he's got that, I'm predictable. Gosh, what does a coach want? What do you want out of your kids in the club? I just want to do the same dang thing every time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the way I tell them to do it, yeah, but I want to be able to do it repeatable. My superpower in, 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 in pole vault for a long time, and really good pole vaulters are good at this, is just make it look the same. Because then your coach can make it seem like a hero when he just moves the bar a little bit, you know? That's right. what coach looks like. He's a freaking genius when he says, just jump it again and move the stance five. Like, I mean, come on. How hard is coaching when you just have the pole athlete do the same thing every time? Right. Um, it helps it, out. It, it's very, very helpful whenever an athlete does the same thing every time. It's unpredictable. Right, right. There's not, there's no sexiness into being unpredictable in pole vault. You're unpredictable. You're going to be dangerous and hard to coach. You want to be predictable. Exactly, exactly. And predictability, uh, consistency follows after that pretty closely. Amen to that. Amen to that. You're putting it together. Um, all right. So number two, uh, by at Adam Garrison, what food do you use to fuel your body? Is there any particular things like, like diet? Is there any dietary things that you kind of use or just balanced or, uh, I'm basically running coffee. Uh, All right. My coffee. It's, you know, the military taught me that you got to be able to operate on just about as little as possible. Uh, and if you can operate pretty good, when you do have good stuff, you get a nice steak dinner or, you know, your, your wife makes you some good casserole or something, or you had three meals that day then you're just going to be Superman, you know, but I have to be able to compete at my lowest level, expect myself to be at my lowest level often. So that way I, when I do have really good tools, I get to sore. Now, what do I like to eat? Um, you know, I make a fine breakfast. I make a fine breakfast, but every day is a. Uh, I love Sonic. Oh man, Sonic's good. Every, they used to have this country fried steak sandwich. Oh man, some onion rings. <laughs> and That's what I get after practice. So freaking much. It's, you know, but I'm cheating. In a dietary world, I'm. They don't plan diets after a 28 year old guy who's a high level athlete for the last decade. I'm not the guy, right? Don't put me in the dietary thing, okay? Right. I do drink a lot of coffee. Uh, my wife says, do I drink too much coffee? I'm like, no, but you know, I enjoy coffee. It's a good conversational point in any country, in any language. 
Uh, so it's a good tool as much as it is a go juice when you're jet lagged. Um, 100%. My, my wife keeps a, uh, a menu every week. Young men, if you want to have good diet, get a wife, get a wife that can cook, you know, <laughs> get a wife that loves you enough to cook for you. You know, those are all great details there. Um, there you go. You make her feel great about what she cooks and she'll keep cooking for you, man. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. We got one more here. Um, from at Preston West, I think, uh, what do you, uh, we already kind of covered this. What do you do for speed training? You had already mentioned hurdles and really? 400. Uh, speed training. Now there's two kinds of fast. And I did mention this earlier. There's Sam fast and he's not that fast. I don't get on the track with Sandy Morris. Absolutely not. Uh, I might get beat. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Sorry. I mean, I've won too many things to get beat by Sandy Morris. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. Uh, there's, and then there's fast at the pole. You want to be fast at the pole. Go run uphill with your pole, man. Go run uphill and run fast with that pole all the freaking time. It's, it's an old archaic, you know, the archaic, the old ways, you know, the deep magic of pole vaulting is go do pole runs, kid. Go take 10 jumps and then go do 10 pole runs. You'll get there fast. You Trust me, run hard with that pole. Run run hard with that pole. Get fast with it. You'll, your body will start balancing things out. That's, that's uh, yeah, that's, no, that's really good. I, you know, once again, these are, these are, these are training methods and things like that, that um, are unique to, you know, if you were to. Well, think about it. If you want to think about it from a technical standpoint, uh, why does a sprinter lift weights? You're asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you, Jake. I'm conversational. Uh, increase power output. What is this? What makes a car fast? What's the first thing that makes a car fast? I'm not a big car guy, but I would power say. To weight. Power to weight. Right? Power to weight. Oh, okay, okay. I see where you're going with this. Power yeah. to weight. Same thing with the human body. If you're a lightweight and you got a lot of power compared to that weight, you're going to go fast. Mm -hmm. Right? He wants to develop tissue strength and response so that you can push harder uh, a big sprinter is not necessarily a fast sprinter the biggest the biggest sprinter i know that's actually pretty good his name is harry ikenis you can he's from the great britain you can look him up this guy's a slab on a slab it looks like adonis in the flesh <laughs> um, and he's fast but he's not as fast as noah lyles i mean right. noah lyles lifts weights so that when he launches out of those blocks he doesn't tear muscle fibers he's got to be hardy that's why he lifts weights um and as a pole vaulter you have to become hardy now, I don't come out of the blocks, and so training the way that Noah Lyles does doesn't do me the same kind of good because I could just start it from a standing position, and I get to long, run as long as I damn well please, as long as the runway is. There's nobody right. limited. If you feel like you're faster and it's going to help you running 25 steps, squeeze them in and run that, homie. Uh, yeah. There's no Run farther, you know? Run farther. That's the best, that's the best speed advice I could ever give in the whole <laughs> Run freaking farther. <laughs> Um, it's not that hard. Don't get faster. Just run farther. You'll be faster. Trust me. hundred percent. You're going to be faster, kid. Just run farther. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. 100%. That's, uh, everybody's scared yeah. to run long. Yeah. They're scared to run long. There's, uh, too much. Know. You don't want to get faster, kid. You don't want to be fast. Or you just run farther. I'm not yeah. making kids that don't like to run farther. I'm just saying, if you want to get faster, run farther. Right. Um, when you run out of runway, that's when you need to worry about getting faster. There you go. That makes sense to me. All right. Last question. This one is mine. You seem to have a supreme confidence in yourself and in your abilities. 
was this something that you received from somebody, from your parents? Was this something that was developed over time? Is there a certain time in your life that really developed, you know, kind of this changeover into Sam Kendrick's, you know, of today? Um, when I understood the aspects of faith and how all of the things that I've been given on this earth, I've, I did not deserve them, don't deserve them. And they are given to me in, in the craziest ways for the purposes that I can't even deem yet. And that's one of the biggest things in my faith. It really structures how thankful I am. and just makes me happy. It makes me understand that even if I don't make this Olympic team, it's all good. I've got so many great things to be thankful for that I don't need something more in the future to make me happy. Now, my confidence stems from my gladness, I think is what it, it, the word, my joy when it comes to doing this event. I'm so thankful to be a pole vaulter and to be strong doing this that when I'm standing at the back of the runway before a big jump, much to what I was talking about earlier, I'm trying to find my line. I'm praying hard, man. Dear God, thank you for my family. Thank you for this opportunity. Give me the strength to get over this bar. Do I get over it every time? No. No, but do I get over a lot? A lot of times. I'm praying all the time, man. And I'm just, my happiness doesn't come from pole vault. Um, happiness is my confidence. There's a cool thing that happened when I won my first world championships. that just made me exuberant. I, I changed as a person after I won that first title at the world championship level. And it was just so incredulous to me being where I came from and just, just seeming like it was a grind for years. And then I realized, whoa, 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 kid, there's no reason a kid like you should have won this. It, there's something else at foot here. There's something else really at foot here. And it's, 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 a, it's a big and glorious God that I'm so thankful for. He's good all the time. And uh, people ask questions like, why, is, why do bad things happen to good people? And why do the good die young? And I say, that is, those are great questions. I'm going to ask my creator when the time comes. But my faith is so many other gifts in between. And if I died tomorrow, man, I could have died. Everything is extra. Everything is just absolutely extra. It just makes me happy. I could die tomorrow and be just freaking happy that I had what I had. And uh, uh, understanding that gives me my confidence because I can be candid about so many things, dark and light, um, because uh, it's not my, my life and the things therein are not the things I'm most worried about. So, Wow. That was pretty powerful right there, Sam. Uh, and I think that's an awesome, awesome uh, place to leave off. Is there any... Uh, any place that you would like people to follow you at or, or anything like that? No, if you want to follow me, you can find me. <laughs> um, any parting words? Uh, if you ever want to come to Mississippi, uh, I may be starting a boutique training camp for young men. I'm going to start the first ones uh, ages 16 to 19, uh, uh, age, age 16 to 19, uh, focusing on the growth of young men in athletics and pole vaulting and how uh, a balance in your life can achieve awesome things. Uh, and hopefully my first class will be spring, uh, not spring break, Thanksgiving break this fall. So, wow. That's awesome. And is that at Rancho? It'll be a Rancho. And I have, uh, I have everything that, uh, it should have everything by that time to provide an awesome experience for some young gentlemen, for sure. Wow. That is going to be incredible. And I'm sure that, uh, there's going to be a lot of people that you're going to help in the future through that. So, but anyway, we thank you so much, man. Really, really appreciate you coming on the one more jump podcast. And, uh, that is a wrap. See you guys later. <laughs>